Thank you for checking out this resource from Grace Chapel. If you're interested in finding more resources or you'd like to donate to our ministry, you can do so by going to gconline.org forward slash watch. Well, I am excited to be sharing with you today. Welcome to all you maybe who are new, those watching online, welcome. For those of you who don't know, my name is Mike Tropea. I serve here on board as executive pastor. I'm excited to get to wrap up the series, the Greater Than series that we have been walking through these past four weeks. And so the intent of this series is to, is to challenge us to see these postures that God has called us to that are greater than what the culture pulls us to. And so I am going to be rounding out the series with this idea that our identity as cultivators is greater than our pursuit and our identity as consumers. Our identity as cultivators is greater than our, our pursuit and our identity uh, as being just consumers. And so before I start into my message, uh, did any of you in here have a favorite childhood movie that you watched hundreds and hundreds of times as a kid? Many of us, I'm sure. I know for my family, my daughter, I have a seven-year-old daughter, I have watched hundreds of times Frozen 1, Frozen 2, and I do not want to build a snowman, and I do want to let it go. Um, but the reality is, I, I, I watch these movies, and she likes Return of Mary Poppins is a new one. Not the old one, that's, that's a no-go for her, but the new one. And so she loves these movies. And I'm sure many, like you, you said, many of you have your favorite movies. For me, uh, I had a favorite movie that I watched all the time. And you, I was born in 1987, so you would think it's like a 90s movie, but I actually, my favorite movie as a kid was Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. That was my jam. And looking back on it as an adult, I'm like, did I really... Some of these things unnerve me when I look back at Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. But that was my movie. And so if you don't know that movie, not the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory one, that's garbage. I'm just sorry to say that, but it is if you like that. But that one had a particular theme. And if you know the story, it's based off of the book by Roald Dahl named Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. And the premise of the movie is... Willy Wonka is this creator, is this imagineer of chocolate, and he disperses, and people and kids love it. He has quite an imagination, and he has this, this, um, this race to get five tickets all around the world through these candy bars, right? And there's five, five kids that will, that will compete, really, to go through his factory and ultimately have a lifetime supply of chocolate at the end. And if you remember the names, I'll try to remember them here. Charlie Bucket is the main character that the story is centered around. Mike TV, uh, Veru Veruca Salt, if I can remember, Augustus Gloop, and Violet Beauregard, right? And so the whole, uh, the, most of the movie, it, it, it starts with, with them getting these tickets and then going to the factory. And this is where the fun tour starts. If you remember the movie, you, they open the doors and they see this imaginary garden of edible sweets. Any kid's OD nightmare on sugar. And parents would be like, we will not let that happen. But the fact is, there's this beautiful imagination and garden of, of Willy Wonka's creation. 
And what happens along the way, along the tour through his factory, right? One kid, Augustus Gloop, starts eating from the chocolate river and he falls in. He's consuming the chocolate and that ends his run on the chocolate, in, in the chocolate factory. I think it's Violet Beauregard who loves gum. And what happens? right? She becomes filled with blueberry juice or whatever, and they have to de-juice her to get her out because she, she likes to chew gum. Mike TV consumes media entertainment, and he actually becomes millions and millions of little pieces in the air, and they have to try to put him back together. And then is it Veruca Salt? She has given everything in her life, and she wants these big golden goose eggs, and she falls through the garbage disposal at the, not at the end, but partway through the movie, right? Because all of these, these kids are about consuming for themselves. But there's one left at the end, Charlie Bucket, good old Charlie Bucket is at the end, and he is being ushered in to receive this whole lifetime supply of chocolate. And this isn't in the movie, but this quote I want to read in particular, it's at the end of the movie, uh, it's, from, it's at the end of the book, excuse me, called, of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. And, and Mr. Wonka says this. He says, listen, Mr. Wonka said, I'm an old man. I'm much older than you think. I can't go on forever. I've got no children of my own, no family at all. So who's going to run the factory when I get too old to do it myself? Someone's got to keep it going, if only for the sake of the Oompa Loompas. Mind you, there are thousands of clever men who would give anything for the chance to come in and take over from me. But I don't want that sort of person. I don't want a grown-up person at all. A grown-up won't listen to me. He won't learn. He will try to do things his own way and not mine. So I have to have a child I want a good, sensible, loving child, one to whom I can tell all my most precious, sweet-making secrets to while I am still alive. So when I hear that, when I was thinking about preparing this message, I was like, that's it. That fits into line with the theme of this cultivation and aligns with how God originally designed us. And God originally designed us in our DNA to be culture pushers, uh, to be cultivators of the world in which we've been placed. But it's according to his design, just like Wonka wanted Charlie to do it towards his design. God has called us to that as humanity, to bring about his good plan in the world in which we live. And so today, I want to take a few minutes to discuss, hey, how God's plan for us to be cultivators, not just consumers, and how Christ redeems us towards the original design to fill this earth and multiply for his good purposes, not, not our own. And I want to talk about the spheres that God calls each and every one of us to examine as it relates to a life and faith in Christ to cultivate the good world in which we've been placed. So we will go from here. I'm going to start at the beginning, just like I did to, uh, three weeks ago when I, I started right in Genesis 1. If, if you don't know the narrative of the Bible, the Bible starts off in Genesis, and in Genesis 1, it paints a picture. Just like Wonka created his imaginary factory, God created this world in which we find ourselves today, and he created it good and whole and with purpose and a plan. And so for six days, he was creating, and at the end of the sixth day, he created man. 
you and me in his image. This idea of what, what the people refer to the Bible as in the imago Dei. We are created in the image of God. He breathed life into us and gave us purpose over all that he had made. And we find in uh, Genesis 1.28 this idea of what's called, often referred to as the cultural mandate for humanity. Our cultivation strategy and I'll share with that, and you'll see the verses behind me. It says this. In Genesis 1, 28, it says, And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Before I go to verse, uh, chapter 215, what God is giving us is the design cultivation plan for us to fill the earth both with other procreation through having children, but also with the giftedness that he has given each and every one of us. He wants us to push his garden throughout the whole earth and, how, and he will walk with us in perfect harmony and we will cooperate with God to fulfill his plan. In chapter 2, verse 15, 15, it goes a little farther in that cultivation strategy. It says, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. Heads up, work is a part of good, God's good plan. I'm sorry to disappoint you today, but I believe work will be a part of heaven one day. Even though we're like, we want to retire, we want to tap out. But it's a good thing. Because God has designed us to work for his purposes. And so let me give you a definition of when I say cultivation, what in the world do I mean? And I'm going to take it from those two verses. And the formal definition I want to put before you is this. Biblical cultivation, as it was originally intended, was man's God-given assignment to be fruitful, to multiply, and to work God's creation to promote human flourishing for the glory of God. Let me repeat that. Biblical cultivation, as it was originally intended, was man's assignment from God to fill the earth, multiply, push back the garden, to create for human flourishing so we could grow in all response and glory to God. It wasn't for our purposes. It was us to marvel at the good God that would allow us to be a part of his chosen world. And we see glimpses of that today, do we not? I know seven years ago, uh, my daughter came on the scene, and I was, I had a small part to play in the process at the beginning, right? But she was cultivated for nine months throughout my wife's womb, and through all that time, I remember reading babycenter.com every, every like week. It's like, it's a pea this, she's a pea this week and she's a blueberry this week and this is what's happening, right? You see this cultivation and you're amazed and marveling at what God is growing in her. And then nine months down the line, a little bit over for, for Aurora, uh, she came and she was born. And I, I sat there and I, I, I marveled, right? That I was a part but, I, 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 but at the same time that God would even entrust me with a human being was like, really, God, are you sure? But the reality is it made me marvel at how great God was. And it just seemed right, seemed a part of his plan that he allowed me to even be a part of it is mind-blowing. 
And when I was growing up, my parents were divorced when I grew up, so my mom remarried, and my stepfather, he was a gardener, and so he invited me into the process of planting. Half of our backyard where I used to play kickball was now transformed into a garden, so that was a whole new dynamic that I had to get used to. But he invited me into the planting of the garden. And so we tilled the soil in the backyard, we planted seeds, and after the, the, har- the harvest came, we had peppers, we had cucumbers, zucchinis, and when, when you look at that after seeing your work that goes into it, it, you can't help but slow down and marvel at like, this is what you reap from what has been sown. And I don't know about you, but that, just that reality, when I look back on it, I didn't realize it at the time, but looking back on it now, I was fortunate to be a part of that process. That cultivation was pure. But the reality is, I really wish I could tell you that that didn't come now with a cost. The reality is that us walking with God, us, us cultivating in conjunction with God, that was, that was what he designed. But we know the story, right? We know how the story started to break. What happened? God said, hey, I love you enough. Stay within these bounds and it's gonna be good for you. Cultivate, push back the garden to continue to build this world, but just stay here and don't take from the tree of good and evil. But what knuckleheaded people that we are, what did we do? We took. We consumed what God said not to consume for our glory and not his. And we have been feeling the effects ever since, have we not? We have been feeling the effects of sin and it didn't just separate us spiritually, which it did. And, and that, spiritual, that, that spiritual breaking, we could never earn our way back, but it even affected the creation at large. Part of the fall, God said, hey, there's gonna be pain in childbearing now. And I mean, God bless, uh, God bless from what I hear, epidurals are an amazing gift from God for, for birth. But the fact is some people, it, Pain and childbearing is a real thing, right? And, but even with cultivation of the garden, right? It wasn't just easy. Even with my stepfather, we had to, we had to de-weed, make sure there wasn't things growing. Pests got into it. We had to plow, we had to work. Then that wasn't a part of God's original design. Sin had broken our cultivation. But I love the fact that God didn't just stop there. I love the fact that God didn't just say, hey, you know, you're better, you know, we can't, he dismissed us from the garden, but he said, I'm gonna send a rescuer at the right time to redeem you, to make things whole again, to make your cultivation whole and with purpose. And he allowed us to go about our ways. And even today, we can cultivate many things. We, we can build bridges better than we ever have, Right? And you can marvel at it, but the thing is those bridges rust and die. (laughs) We can make beautiful music, but the end of the day when it just ends and terminates on itself because it's not pointing to something greater. But at just the right time, when we were dead in our sin and trespasses and sin had, had blown across the whole eternity, and I'm not eternity, of creation, what happened? God sent his son, Jesus Christ, perfect, the second Adam, to live perfectly like the first Adam didn't, to 
die sacrificially on the cross and to rise again over sin, death, and the grave so that we could be set on a path to be right with God. And I want to talk about an episode that um, Jesus, Jesus had with his disciples, and it's after, after the resurrection. So here's what happened. Jesus, Jesus walked and invested three years of his life in men and women. As his disciples, he walked with them through this. And you would think after three years of even performing miracles, even seeing God work and being used by him, that the disciples would have understood what he was saying, but they didn't. And so Jesus was crucified on a cross and he rose again. And he hadn't, this episode is when he hadn't even revealed himself to the disciples yet, but he's going to now. And see what happens. And this is very important as it relates to our cultivation. It says this in John 20, verses 19 through 22. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where, he, where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. So, so what is happening here? Well, G Jesus comes on the scene and they're hiding from the Jews because their savior, the one they have aligned with next to alongside them for the past three years, he's gone. And they didn't know what to do. So they thought they were gonna be persecuted. So they ran and hid. But the beautiful thing about Jesus is that he doesn't come in like a, like a, a father figure that's just demanding and saying, what are you doing? But he comes in like a loving savior, like a loving God who walks with us in the garden and says, hey, peace be with you. And he, sa and he says it to them again, and they're overjoyed. Peace be with you, which in the word peace means wholeness. I'm, God, my wholeness is with you just as the father has sent me. I am sending you. And what the reality of the statement is saying to the disciples is this. They get it now when they receive his spirit. They get it that they no longer can work. Their good efforts and, and perfect resume, imperfect resume can never work their way to God. But Jesus's ultimate final death is the only thing that they can work from. And that changes how they cultivate that changes the narrative. No longer do they have to work from a place to feel like they can get from God, but they can rest in Jesus's finished work that it is enough. And so when we work now, when we cultivate, we don't have to cultivate to get from God. We can cultivate from the fact that God already gave himself in full. And that changes our cultivation. That changes how we are fruitful. That changes how we multiply, right? It brings us back into the reality of the original design where we're walking in tandem with God for his glory and our good. Why? Because Jesus is enough and we can cooperate for his glory and our good. And so let me take it down from this high level philosophical place to what it means for us today. What it means for us today. What is the impacts that it has on us personally in our personal spheres of influence and also our communities. 
we have all been given in one way, shape, or form areas of, of life that God calls us to cultivate. Personal cultivation. Hey, heads up, if you aren't personally walking with Jesus on a daily basis, God desires to know you and stir your heart and sift your heart through his word. God desires that. And if you have a marriage today, you have the, free, you have the freedom and the responsibility to cultivate your spouse. This is not, it, it can be optional, but it won't end well for you. But the beautiful thing is, even in that relationship, I don't have to change my wife. God does the growth. I just need to cultivate her heart more towards being and looking like Jesus and trust God for the growth. And I, that's a privilege to cultivate that. And many of us have kids in this room. And how many of us would just love for your kids to say, okay, dad, okay, mom, right? Just say it once. Just, just go with us. But the fact is, they often don't right? But we get an opportunity because of who we serve to cultivate these child's hearts, to put them in a position to say, hey God, you know better than I do how they grow. They're yours and let me be a representative of your grace and cultivate to the point that I can't because you are in better control than I am. Same thing goes with our work. Not all of us like the work that we do, but God has placed you there with purpose and reason. And we can either critique it and complain about it, or we can redeem it because of who we serve. I don't know about you, but one critiquing and complaining takes a whole bunch of effort. But when I submit my, my, my preferences to a great God, he can make a bad situation an impactful situation. And that changes the narrative. God calls us to cultivate, to be fruitful, to multiply, to fill the earth, subdue it. And what garden has he given you today to cultivate that maybe you aren't cultivating as you should? for his glory. This also affects us as a church, right? God has placed us here in this room with a purpose. And oftentimes we can, Dallas Willard is a, is a, is a, um, is a author that I've referenced before and he actually calls this vampire Christians. Get this, just work with me. I want a little of your blood, Jesus, but I don't want to be your student or have your character. I want a little of your blood, Jesus. That's all right, but I don't want to be your student. I don't, I don't want to have your character. And that's where it ends. We come up, show up, and say, tap out after one hour and say, we're good. No, Jesus wants your life and to cultivate it through the local church because he has given us all giftedness, all perfect, to be poured out for the building up of one another. So I'm asking you, how are you cultivating where God has placed you in Grace Chapel? We have many people that serve on a Sunday morning and throughout the week. We have community group leaders that just got, that have been walking with other people in community, serving together. We have people up here playing instruments and not because we want to sound good, but we want to give God glory. I had a friend uh, conversation with a friend this week who is continuing to hone his craft in what God has given him to pour out musically. 
And he's continuing to do that, not to make much of himself in the horizontal world that we live, but to make much of God because he wants to cultivate the gifts he has to make much of God. And I'm asking you, are you coming and attending and just leaving? Or are you pouring out what God has given you as a gift within the local body? And if you want more opportunities to understand what the needs are here, we have many gconline.org slash volunteer. You can fill that out. It takes two minutes and we'll connect with you to partner you for the cultivation that God has us a part of. Also, it's not just personal. It's in our communities. God calls us to cultivate our communities where he has placed us. Jeremiah 29, four through seven says this. Let me actually set, paint this scene for us real quick. Israel is dispersed and they are in Babylon. They are in an unknown foreign world and God is is going to be speaking into them and how eerily similar do we find ourselves in the same space where it says this, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel to all the exiles whom I've sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and live in them, plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. Be fruitful and multiply. Verse seven is where I want us to focus in on. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf for in its welfare, you will find your welfare. Church, how are we cultivating the communities that we live in? I know many stories of people, even within our own church family, who are are on town boards or speaking into the school boards because they want our children to prosper. And they don't want culture to run, run rampant, but they want the spirit of God to run through their communities. Some people are, I just had a conversation with someone today who's, who's up for a vote on the Pregnancy Care Center's board. Praise God. We need to be lights in a world infiltrating for God's glory and not our own consumption. And I'm thankful to be a part of a church family that is continuing to invest in the communities and a church that wants to do more in communities, not to get from God, but because God has given us himself in full and we want to respond accordingly. I don't know about you, but isn't that good news that God allows us to be a part of his plan? be a part of ministers of his grace and redemption to a world that desperately needs it. Just the fact of that being invited into that story is amazing to me. Does that challenge you, church? I wanna challenge you to think where God has placed you. If you don't know Jesus today, then this could be a totally foreign concept. But the beauty of it is, the beauty of the gospel is that we did nothing, God did everything. And we can rest and confess our sin and trust in his goodness and worship Jesus and our lives will be made full. It won't be easy, but they will be made full because he and his spirit is living through us, giving us meaning and purpose other than for the here and now. So where is God calling you to be obedient in your garden today? Where is God calling you to cultivate better today than you did yesterday? Church, if we do this well, 
I have a feeling this changes the narrative, invites conversations, people far from him into relationship with him. And the world will see a church on fire for Jesus as we cultivate and not just consume. And so let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you that you have given us purpose and reason purpose and reason that isn't in ourselves, but is in the finished work of Jesus. That at one point we were far off where we were just consuming for self-glory, but you have redeemed us from a past of sin. And for those who don't know you today, I pray that they can know you and be stirred by this to come and submit to your good plan and your good work that we can be cultivators in this world as you originally designed and to work in co cooperation with you for your glory because that is what lasts. God, help us to be aware of where you've placed us. Help us to steward what you've placed in our hand today. Cultivate our child's hearts, cultivate our marriages, cultivate our schools cultivate, uh, cultivate our workplaces, all in our communities in ways that only you can do. Thank you for allowing us to be a part of your good and perfect plan. Jesus, we need you and we love you and thank you for using us, imperfect as we are, to shine your light to a world that desperately needs you. God, we love you and we ask all this in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen.